What's up, everybody? This is Darren Youngstrom, and welcome to the new Vintage Church podcast. We're coming to you from the West Coast, Best Coast, and you're listening to a message from a Sunday at New Vintage. You can listen to a lot of content, so we are honored that you chose to spend some time with us today. And listen, whether you're all in on God or still trying to figure that all out, we hope you know that you are loved and you always have a place here on the corner of Yalupa and Sonoma Ave. And we are praying that this message is helpful for your life. Let's cut to the good stuff. Here we go. Hey, uh, we have a mission trip out today. Uh, just today, this crew right here left. Uh, they flew out today. This crew, these are high school students, and uh, they're out today. We're going to pray for them. We have a group of men, 10 men, that also went to Mazatlan, uh, Mexico. They're, they're headed to Tijuana, and they're going to serve with organizations that help their community. It's going to be a really, really great time. So let, would you start today, and let's just pray for our teenagers and for the men who are out serving today from this place. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for opportunities to go serve the world. I pray that these students, as they go to another place, that they would discover that you're there too, that you're a global God. You're not a God of Santa Rosa. You're not a God of America. You're a God of the whole universe. And I pray they'd find you there. I pray they'd serve well. I pray they'd make an impact in the people that they connect with. And I pray that you would impress upon them um, how good it is to follow Jesus, how good, how good it is to serve you. I pray they would find life and hope there, God. Keep them safe. Bring them back to us. I pray that you use their story and their growth to impact the world here as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I've been talking about this idea of master's degree, and we started with the kingdom of God, that uh, the kingdom of God is already built. We don't build it. We're not kingdom builders. We're kingdom helpers. Jesus said, upon this rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. God's response to the battle of good and evil in the world, this, uh, this, this kingdom of his and the kingdom of Satan, that Satan wants to be the king of the world, and God goes, well, I'm actually the king of the world, so this battle with good and evil, one way, one answer to that is the church. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not stop it. And so Jesus is building this church. And Paul, one of the early missionaries and church starters, wrote a lot about the fact that God gave each one of us, each one of you, some talents, some gifts, and some abilities to help build God's church. And so we've been talking about that, like what are the ways you can serve and get involved and plugged in. But I also know a lot of you are kind of new to this church, this local expression of what God's church is. Now, every local church is different, and that's okay. They're allowed to have differences in the way they do generosity or the way they serve or do groups or whatever, the way they do worship. You know, those differences are fine. They, they, they shouldn't have differences on the main thing, which is that Jesus is our Savior, that we, we are sinners. Uh, you know, you, you do things that are wrong and opposite, and we need to pay a penalty for that, and Jesus paid the penalty for that. We have this thing called double uh, imputation where uh, Jesus takes all of my sin, and then I get all of his perfection, so that when God looks at me, he sees perfection, which is crazy because that ain't what I am. And if I followed you guys around, I wouldn't see perfection. But be, if you have Jesus, you actually have, in God's eyes, the righteousness of Jesus put upon you, which is an amazing deal. It's a great trade. It's a fantastic trade. I mean, for me to give him all my failure and get all his perfection, that's an amazing trade, right? And that, upon that, you shouldn't have any disagreement in the church of God, right? I mean, God's church should agree upon that. Other things are different. And we're, we're, we might have things that are different from other churches you maybe have been to. And so we have this thing called Pathways that we're doing to invite you to meet with me, to say, hey, what's the mission and vision of this church? What, what's your goal? Why do you do it the way you do it? Um, how do I get plugged in? Where do I get grouped? How do I find my people? How do I find my purpose here? 
See, we want you to make this, if you want to, if you really want to, we want you to make this your home church, to plant here, to grow roots here, to make an impact here, make a difference here. If you want to go to a different church, that is fine. I don't, I don't get possessive about people at all. If God has you at a different place, that's awesome. Go plant there and bloom there. But if he has you here, then let's sink our roots down deep and let's make a difference together, right? And so we have this thing called Pathways. We do it at the end of every month. Next week is our Pathways gathering. I'd love for you to sign up if you have questions, if you want to know how to get moving forward. We call it Pathways because there's lots of different ways for you to get plugged in. So we, we feed you lunch uh, right after this service, 12.15, over in the, uh, the warehouse. And we connect for about 45 minutes to an hour, ask questions. And I'd love for you to be a part of that. So you find it on our homepage, newvintage.org. Just scroll down to upcoming events, click on Pathways and register. Love to have you there. Today I want to start our message with a question. Um, well, I, I don't want to start with a question. Sorry, I apologize. I want to start with something that I, I want you to know that's true about this church, whether you come to Pathways or not. And that's that we love you. And if you get nothing else today, I want to make sure on a regular basis that I tell you, you are loved. Many people go through life and they don't hear that on the regular. And you might be one of them. You might be somebody that feels like you're not sure if you're worthy of love. You're not sure if you're valuable. You're not sure if you're important. And I want to tell you right now, from the back row to the front row and everybody in between, you are deeply loved. We love you. As a church, we love you. As a church leader, I love you. I'm grateful that you're here. I care about you. We want to know your name. We want to know your story. We want you to know your story matters. We want you to connect in a group where you can find friendship. We love you. More important than that, I believe God loves you. I mean, more than you could ever imagine. God loves you so deeply, so strongly, so powerfully. God loves you. No matter what your story, what you're carrying, the burdens you have, the struggles you're facing, the, the challenges that you might have walked through, or the sin that you're per currently participating in secretly that no one knows about, but you know about it, God loves you right where you are. And if you're struggling, he wants to help you get past that. And if you hear nothing else from me today, hear that. God loves you. That's kind of the leading thing of our church, is we want you to know that, that you're loved. You're worthy of love. And so I want to start this message today with a question. And the question is this, what is your relationship with authority like? <laughs> yeah. Are you okay with it? You kind of push back against it? I'll tell you mine. I don't like it. Not a fan, not a fan of authority. Um, you know, I just, I, I know we need it. I mean, I know that like you can't, we can't just be stealing people's stuff willy-nilly, you know. We can't just be driving 150 miles an hour down the streets doing whatever we want. I get it that there's a need for authority. There's got to be rules. Somebody has to enforce it, but it doesn't mean I have to like it, right? I asked my wife about this. I was like, hey, what's a funny story about me that I could tell about how like I, when somebody says that I have to do something one way, I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it like that. And she goes, um, pretty much your whole life. Uh, that's your response to everything. And I was like, well, that's not funny. Well, turns out it is. And so here's an example, though. Like when I take my kids to school uh, and we're a couple minutes late, they always say to me, Dad, we're late. We have to go to the office to, to get a note. And I always say, no, nah, we're not doing that. And they're like, why not? I said, because you're already late. If I take you to the office, you're going to be more late. Why would I stop for a note to say, hey, we were late, and now because of this note, we're even later? Do that? Just go. What are they going to do? You're in fourth grade. You know, like, going to jail. You know, like, 
Just go get out of here. Like, I don't, ugh. I don't follow the rules all the time. I know that's not right. I just don't like authority. I don't like referees, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Senior year of high school, I was playing basketball. We were playing Mogador, rival, Ohio. You don't know it, but I knew it deeply at the time. And uh, I'm playing out on the wing here, you know, it's March Madness. I know you've been watching this basketball, some of you have been. And I see the point guard is going to throw it to the wing. And I recognize he's about to throw this pass. And I realize I'm about to dunk that ball. And so I had just learned recently that I could dunk a basketball. I was doing it in practice a lot. My brother and I would practice for a long time. I had just, for the first time in my life, I could dunk a basketball. And I knew it. I knew it. And I went and I got this pass. And I was close to the guy. But I did not touch him. I stole this ball, and I was headed down, took one dribble. The whistle blows. He calls a foul on me. I was about to have the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> the crowd, their crowd was going to be in just misery. My side was going to go nuts. I would be the hero in the moment. I didn't know he could dunk like that. I was going to cram this ball with authority. He blows the whistle, and what do I do? I go, what are you kidding me? You're insane. That's what I said. You're insane. Technical foul. Take a seat. Don't like referees. Killing my vibe, man. I was about to have a moment. And the referee stole my moment. I'll tell you what, you guys might go, well, I'm not like that. Let me ask you about masks. Uh, can't talk about that anymore. You know, you might have worn it, but I guarantee you most of y'all didn't like it. Some of y'all didn't wear it. And you just, you just tell me somebody telling you what you had to do. I, you know, maybe it's the right thing to do, but don't tell me what I have to do. And some of you are better at, my wife is way better at accepting authority, right? She's just better at it. But I know there's stuff in her life, in your life, where you're like singing that old song, I'll do it my way. You know, I'll do it my way. I want to do it my way. Don't tell me what to do. And when it comes to the Christian faith of following Jesus, there's a problem. I know there's a problem. That's what I'm talking about. It's getting loud in here. Jesus said this one time about authority. He said this, all authority has been given to me. Man, here I am living a life of don't tell me what to do. I'll do it my way. And Jesus comes along into my life and goes, guess what? All authority has been given to me. Uh-oh. Ruh-roh. You know, like, oh, all authority has been given to him. And he says this at the end of his time on earth, but he proves it long before he ever said it. There's all these famous places. There's the time when they're on the boat and the winds are causing this storm. And the storm is blowing all over. The waves are high. And the, the followers of Jesus are freaking out. They wake him up. Wake up. What are you doing? There's a storm. We're going to die. And Jesus, what does he do? Remember, if you know the story, he goes, he says to the wind, hey, wind. Hey, 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 wind, 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 wind. Calm down, man. Waves, chill out. And the wind's like, say, say less, Jesus. We got it. We're good. And they calm down, demonstrating his authority over the weather. There's a time, a few times, when there are people who have blindness. And Jesus comes up with mud, or he spits on their eyes, and he says, Hey, blindness, you're done here. Time's up. You can go now. 
He tells the blindness to go away, demonstrating his authority over our ailments in our bodies. There are a couple times when he raises somebody from the dead, a little girl, and Lazarus is in the tomb for a couple days, and he says, Lazarus, get up. Hey, death, you got to go. You got to take a break. These two are coming back to life, demonstrating his authority over life and death. I'm telling you, it's all over the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read the story of Jesus, what you're reading is a story of authority. And we're going to read through John chapter 1, 2, and 3. Not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to, we're going to walk through it this morning. I want you to see this. And John was one of the close followers of Jesus. He was on the inner circle. He was known as, and it was recorded as, he was the, the disciple who Jesus loved. Now, we, whenever you say that, you have to note, John is the one who said he was the disciple who Jesus loved. Right? And so a grain of salt you have to take it with. All right? But... John chapter 1, and I'm going to be in the New Living Translation. If you have your Bibles open to John chapter 1, if you don't have this app on your phone, you can actually get the Bible on your phone if you didn't know that. It looks like this, the Holy Bible app. You just click on that. It has all the versions. Uh, you know, if you, I'm going to read the New Living Translation today, uh, but if you brought your NIV, you can follow along. If you have a different Bible, you can follow along. The great thing about the digital Bibles, you have them all here in one spot spot. You may not know this, but you can actually go to the, the Bible app. You can search at the bottom of the homepage, New Vintage Church. We have a page in the Bible app where we suggest uh, certain studies for you to study. We'll be doing that uh, moving forward. You'll hear more about that. We just started that this week. So pretty cool that we're connected with the Bible app in that way. Okay, John chapter 1. Here's where we are. I'm going to read the first 12 verses, and I'm going to stop and, and show you something, okay? All right, here we go. In the beginning, the Word already existed. Now, the Word is Jesus. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Now, God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word, Jesus, that is, gave life to everything that was created. Where did life come from? From Jesus. Where did life begin? Jesus. He's the beginning of life, all right? The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, verse 6 there, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is a true, the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. I, I talk about that verse a lot. This world doesn't recognize Jesus. So part of the role of our church in our city where we currently live is to help our world, our friends, our neighbors recognize Jesus. We do that through love and good deeds. We do that through kindness. We do that through living out uh, the, the kindness and the generosity of our Heavenly Father through caring for our, our neighbors. Verse 11, he came to his own people and even they rejected him. Here it is. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Who gave? He gave. Who set up this plan? He set up this plan. How does it work? You believe on him, you get eternal life. How, who get, why does he get to decide that? Because all life comes from him. Well, it's not fair that he gets to tell us what we, you know, how this works. It's too bad. He's the one who made it. Well, I don't like that. There's no, nothing in it that says, do you like this? I, I didn't like the call the referee made. He didn't ask me. He was the authority in that moment, and what he said goes. Jesus is the authority of all life, and what he says is, listen, here's how it works. To all who believe him and accept him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
He gives it away. It's from him. He's in charge of how we have eternal life, whether we like it or not. Now, it goes on. This is a great chapter. I love this chapter. If you look at chapter 1 of John, that's verse 12. So the question is, if he does, if he's like that, if it's like he's in charge, well, what's he like? What's this Jesus like? Verse 14, it says this. So the word became human, Jesus became human, and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. What kind of king do we have? What kind of in-charge authority do we have? Is he mean? Is he uh, condescending? Is he overbearing? Is he angry? No, look at this. He is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He will love you. He will never leave you. He won't give up on you. He won't quit on you. No matter what. Even if you say to him, I don't like your authority. He's still full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Some versions say full of grace and full of truth. Okay, great. So, what are the rules? Well, check it out. Verse 17. The law was given through Moses. Remember the Ten Commandments? All right, that's how we got the law. Don't do this, do this, right? But what came through, through Jesus? But God's unfailing love and faithfulness, the grace and the truth came through Jesus Christ. He came to bring grace and truth, even though there's this authority, right? So he's the authority with grace and truth. Verse 29. You can just scroll. That's what the great thing about digital. You can just scroll right on down there. Verse 29, okay, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why a lamb? Well, in the, in the old Bible, Old Testament, sin brings death, okay? Sin brings death. You lie, you, you, you kill trust, right? You, you get angry in your home a lot, you kill the peace of the house, right? Sin brings death. That's what it does, okay? And so in order to, like, cover that sin, that death, God required a life. And so blood is a representation of life. So they had to have a blood sacrifice of a lamb to sort of cover that sin. Then they go back to their home and then they come back and do it again over and over again, right? There's, this was the pattern of like sacrifice for your sin. And so John sees him come and he goes, behold, the blood sacrifice that will do what? That will take away the sin of the world, demonstrating Jesus has authority over our sin, Okay? He has authority over the wind and the waves, authority over our physical bodies, authority over um, life and death, authority over um, all kinds of things, and now he has authority over sin. He has the authority of how we get eternal life. He's like, he's saying in this chapter, chapter 1 of John, John is introducing us to his friend Jesus, saying, Hey guys, I met the one in charge of it all. This guy is great. Now check this out. Some of John's followers see Jesus, and they start to follow him, all right? And Jesus says to them this great question. He says, what do you want? What do you want? Now, Jesus is authority over everything. Jesus knows what they want. Why would he ask that? Because they don't know what they want, right? And if I said to you right now, hey, just really, in your own heart, your own life, think about it for a second. What do you want? What are you looking for? What do you really want? What are you hoping for? What do you want out of life? What are you striving for? What do you really deeply desire? It's a really big question Jesus asks. And they don't know what to do with it. They're not ready for it. So they say, where are you staying? It's like you, you see the awkward small talk. You've been at a party before. People are like, hey, what's up? What's your name? You're like, hey, uh, Darren, what's your name? John, cool. Where do you live? I live over there. Cool. What do you do for work? I'm a plumber. Awesome. Where do you live? You're like, I just asked that. You know, like. It's this awkward moment between Jesus and these guys. And so he goes, instead of like getting into it, he just goes, hey, come follow me. Come, come hang out with me for a minute. So they go hang out with him for the afternoon. And in one afternoon, they leave his presence and they go tell all their friends, we found what we wanted. 
We found what we were looking for. There was something about time with Jesus that caused him to go, this dude is the dude. Like this guy is the guy and we got to tell everybody about him. So they introduced him to Peter. Check this out. Uh, verse 42, right? Verse 42, uh, the first disciples, Jesus comes up to Peter. So we'll, we'll start in 41. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, looking intently at Simon. Jesus said, get this, this is crazy. Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. What kind of authority do you have to meet a man for the first time? And say, what's up? How you doing, Simon? I'm calling you Peter. It's not your name anymore. I'm changing it forever. I mean, that's authority right there, right? And then look what happens next. Verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to Philip, grown, you know, this is a, a man who has options to what he wants to do with his life. He maybe was working with his parents or something, but he's old enough. Jesus says, come follow me. Now, we've read that before in the Bible. We just glanced right over it. Come follow me. What kind of authority do you have to have to walk up to somebody? Hey, Philip, how's it going? Come with me for the rest of your life. You know? Like, that's, there's something about him, this authority that he has, where it's like, yes, sir. We'll do, yeah, sounds good. I'll give you my whole life right now. Verse 48. They're going to introduce him to Nathaniel, right? And so uh, Jesus, uh, he's approaching in verse 47. He said, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And he goes, Nathaniel goes, how do you know about me? He asked, and Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, holy, holy moly, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Jesus looks at Nathanael and goes, you think that's something? Wait till next week. Wait till the week after that. Wait, wait till you know, a year and a half into this. You're, I'm going to blow your mind. How can he say this? Because Jesus has authority over what's coming tomorrow. He has authority over what's happening next. And he can say to Nathaniel, you thought that was cool. I got something for you on Friday. It's going to blow your mind. Jesus is demonstrating as he introduces himself to his followers, guys, I know everything. And they are going, oh, I think you do. This guy is amazing. Now check it out. Chapter 2, let's move to chapter 2. In chapter 2, he turns water into the wine, his first miracle. So appropriate for New Vintage Church here in Sonoma County. And he turns water into wine, but his mom says, they're at a wedding, and his mom says, you know, they say, we're out of wine. And mom says, hey, uh, just do whatever Jesus says. And he says to her, well, I, it's not my time, woman. He calls his mom woman. I don't recommend that. He's Jesus. I don't know how he gets away. He says, woman. But he says, you know, he says, woman, don't tell me. And she says back to him, I, I birthed you. Uh, you do, you're going to do whatever I say. And that's crazy, right? And Jesus, although he has all authority in heaven and earth, can do whatever he wants, he demonstrates to us how you treat your mom no matter what, right? And he treats his mom with respect, and he starts this thing, and he goes ahead, and he turns the water into wine. And he says to the people, he says, hey, guys, fill these big buckets with water. He fills they fill them with water, right? And then he says, now take a scoop of it and go give it to the king. Now, if you're a servant, you're like, how drunk is the king? I mean, this water is... Can't, you know, and they take it over there, and, they give to, and the king says, this is the best wine. Why would you save this for last? Jesus demonstrates his authority over chemistry. I mean, he, he, he's, he's like, I can, I can defy the laws of gravity, the laws of chemistry, and you know why? Because <laughs> I made them. I made all those rules. I made all those 
chemistry. I made the biology. I made all these people. I know what to do with all of it. And he shows up at the temple later in chapter 2. And he is the scene. If you've never seen it, this is the one where people are like, oh, it's allowed, well, I'm allowed to be angry. This is the excuse my anger passage, right? Where Jesus throws over the tables because they're turning his father's house into a den of thieves. And he flips over the tables. He says, you know, get, get out of here. You're just, you're just using this for your own gain. That's not what my father's house is for. And they say to him, what right do you have to do this? In fact, they say to him, do a miracle for us in order to show us what authority you have to do what you're doing right now. And what does Jesus say to them? Jesus says to them in chapter 2 of John, he says, okay, here's the deal. Destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll build it back up. And they were like, it took 46 years to build this temple. You can't do that. And after Jesus died and rose again, his followers thought back to that moment, and they were like, oh, snap. He's talking about his temple. Kill me, and in three days, I'll get up. And they wrote it down right here to say, hey, Jesus had authority over what would happen to his own life. He was always in charge. He was always the one leading. Chapter 3 of John is hilarious to me because chapter 3 is where he meets up with Nicodemus at night. Nicodemus is a teacher of the religious law, supposed to know everything. He's teaching all the people. But he comes to Jesus at night. Why? Why does he come to Jesus at night? Because he don't know nothing. And he doesn't want everybody else to know that he's a fraud. But he doesn't know anything about what he's talking about. And he suspects that Jesus knows more than he does. So he shows up to Jesus and he goes, hey, Jesus, tell me about, you know, <laughs> this. Tell me what you know. And Jesus says, you got to be born again. This is how dumb Nicodemus is. And we would be too. He looks at Jesus and he says, how do I get back in my mom's womb? I don't know how to do that. And Jesus is like, bro. I mean, he doesn't say bro, but I can just imagine Jesus had to be like, bro. He says, you got to be born of water. That's human birth. And you got to be born of the spirit. You got to allow God to lead your life to become a new person spiritually. You have both a physical body and a spiritual body. Don't you know this, Nicodemus? He says to Nicodemus, you're supposed to be a teacher of the law. I thought you were the one who knew all this stuff. You can't even understand what's going on here on earth. How could you possibly know what I'm going to tell you about heaven? You can't even understand. So let me break it down for you. This is where he gives him the most famous verse in all the Bible that we hold up at football um, you know, stadiums. John 3, 16, he says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, let me break it down for you, bro. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus tells Nicodemus in that moment, God, myself, we are in charge of how this works. And anyone who calls on my name will have life. You go tell that to your people. It says in chapter John 3, 17, the verse nobody hardly knows. He says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but to rescue the world, to save the world from itself. That's what Jesus came for. He has all the authority to do it. Jesus, in the, in the book of John, I want you to keep reading it. So your homework this week is going to be to read John chapter 4, 5, and 6 and look for the authority of Jesus. Jesus has all this authority, and he is in charge of all things. He's confident. He's the boss. He's the authority. He knows everything. And following him, letting him lead every decision in every area of my life is the way it should go. That's the way it should go. Right? It, it should be that whatever he says goes. It should be that, that, that whatever, whatever he wants me to do, I do. 
Okay? But I think I know so much about life that I'm like, ah, maybe I could just do it myself, God. I think I got this, right? And I don't really know much about life. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of something that you guys don't know much about. My, my assumption is you guys don't know a whole lot about basket weaving. Is that, is that accurate? Anybody like basket fanatics in here? You're just a huge basket fanatic? Okay, nobody? Okay. See, so if you wanted, th- I'm, praise the Lord, there's none. Uh, but if you wanted to, to know a lot about baskets, who would you go to? Well, you would go to this lady. This is Natalie Lynn. She's the LeBron of baskets. LeBron gets buckets, she gets baskets, okay? And so this is Natalie Lynn. She is the world-renowned basket person, okay? And you, she's, she knows everything about baskets. And how audacious would it be of me to step to Natalie and be like, hey, Natalie, want to have a basket contest? Why don't I tell you, Natalie, about the way baskets are made? Why don't I tell you about all the history of baskets? Hey, Natalie, let's have a little, a little basket conversation, a little basket duo, basket face-off. You and me, Natalie, how about we do that? She'd be like, I will crush you like the, the, the fool that you are, like the bug that you are. I don't know. I wouldn't know anything about it. I couldn't step to Natalie on baskets. I am to Natalie when it comes to baskets as we all are to Jesus when it comes to life. Jesus knows way more than all of us, has way more authority than all of us, knows how life goes, knows what the best thing is, knows how to make right decisions, knows where, what to do with pain and agony and defeat. He knows all about it. And here we are looking to Jesus going, I think I'll do it myself. I got it. I don't need you. This is my life. We should look at all that he, he has said, and we should go, because he knows whatever he says goes. Because he knows just whatever he says goes, but we don't. I don't. We look at him and we go, I don't know if I agree with everything that you're saying. I think I can do life my way. And we have this attitude toward life and we go, this is my life, so it's my choice. These are my eyes, so they look at what they want. These are my ears, so they listen to whatever they want. This is, this is my family, so I treat them how I want. This is my relationship, so I'll do it how I want to do it. This is my body, and so I'll drink whatever I want. This is my body, so I'll eat whatever I want. This is my body, so I'll sleep with whoever I want. This is my body, so I'll just uh, I do, do what I'll just, you know, exercise when I want. This is my, this is mine, and I'm in charge. So I'm going to do what I want. It's my, it's my brain. I can let hatred live there if I want to. It's my heart. I don't want to forgive, so I'm not going to forgive. I don't care what you say about loving others. I want it to be about me. So I'm going to do what I want to do. Thank you very much, Jesus. And we, we turn to ourselves as though we're the authority, and we forget something. We forget that the air we breathe is his. And the time I have isn't mine. And I'm not in control. And I don't know how long I get. And it's not, in fact, my life. And this is not my world. And if you want to follow Jesus, you have to make a trade. Here's what I know. Following Jesus is good. It's difficult. 
but it's good. And he offers peace and through the storms. He offers joy in the hard times even. He offers wisdom to overcome. He offers satisfaction beyond what you could imagine. Even when the money runs out and when stress rises, he's there to calm the sea in our own lives. It's so good. But here's the problem. We want all the good things from Jesus, but we don't like the price. We want everything good he has to offer, but we don't want to pay for it. Let me get a coupon, Jesus. Could I get everything that you've got, but I don't have to give up what I got? We don't like the price. Well, what's the price of following Jesus and getting all that he has? The price is authority over my life. I got to give up authority over my life. And did I mention at the beginning, I don't like authority unless it's mine. I like when I have authority. I don't like someone else to have authority over me. And here we sit in the struggle of the Christian faith. Yeah, I want what Jesus has, but I want to lead my life. And I'm not sure I can trust him yet with all that. And so I'm going to hang on in certain places, and I'm going to do life my way. The problem is you don't get his blessing. You don't get his authority. You don't get his wisdom. You don't get his peace if you say, I'm going to do it my way. You got to do it your way, and you just got you. And whatever happens, wherever it lands, all you got is you. And listen, I'm not preaching this because I'm mad at you. Some, some pastors preach this out of guilt. Like, yeah, people, y'all ain't living for Jesus. And I'm sick of it in this place. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to get at today. No, that's, <laughs> that's not it at all. Here's why I'm trying to get it. When I was 17 years old, I went on a mission trip like the one that the, the students are on here. And I came back, and after that experience of seeing God in a whole different light, I sat in my room, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. It wasn't. It was, 40, it was 30 years ago. Uh, and I sat there in my room, and I had a wrestling match with God. And I knew, I knew the deal that God wanted my whole life. And I said to him that day, for the first time in my life, and I meant it, I said, God, I don't, I don't even know if I want to say this. I'm going to say it, though, and I'm going to mean it when I say it. God, you can have my whole life. And God, where, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I'll do whatever you want because, God, I trust you. And I believe that if I follow you, even when it hurts, if I follow you, even when it's difficult, if I follow you, even when it doesn't go the way I want it to go, I'm going to get mad at you sometimes because I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to follow you. And can I tell you, I am a satisfied customer of giving my whole life to Jesus. And I'm telling you, I mess it up and I screw it up, but it's a good thing that he came with grace and truth. Because I need to know where I'm wrong, but I need a bucket of grace when I am. And God is full of grace and truth for you and me. And it is worth it to give him your life. So I'm guessing you're in one of four places this morning when I say this. Either you are in full agreement with me and you are like, hallelujah, amen, glory. I'm a satisfied customer as well. Or number two, you're saying, yes, I gave my life to Jesus, but I'm off track and I need help. And if that's you, you just look back at God right now today and you say, God, I want to I I get back with you. 
I want to restart. I want to jumpstart. I know that you're the right place. God, help me get back on track with you. Or number three, you've never done that, but you're listening today and you're like, if he's the authority and he knows where to take my life, I want in on that. In just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. And fourth, you may be in here today and you're like, this is BS. This is all, this is not real. This is not true. I'm not buying it. Nice try, DY, but bye-bye. That's okay. If you're like, I'm just not into this, that's okay. Nobody's mad at you. Nobody's upset with you, except that kid. They're mad at you right now. Angry with you. They're not crying at me. This is good. They're crying at you because, no, I'm just kidding. But the point is, the point is, you're welcome here, whether you believe or not. We say it all the time. You can belong before you believe here. You're welcome to here with doubts. You're welcome here with anger. You're welcome here. You could be in your mind telling me what an idiot I am. I still like you. But if you're somebody in here that you would say, I, you know what? I've been kind of messing around with this God thing. I've been thinking about it. I've been considering it. And today you're like, I want to do that. I want to tell God that, that he can have all of me. That whatever, whatever, whatever he wants me to do, wherever he wants me to go, I'll go. Because he's got authority over the wind and the waves. He's got authority over our bodies. He's got authority over life and death. He's got authority over the future. He's got authority over our sin. He's got authority over all of it. If he's the authority of all of it, over all that, then I want to know him. And I want to give my life to him. Because I'm going to trust that God. Then I'd love for all of us to, to bow our heads, close our eyes. And you can just say something like this to God right now. You can just, in your own heart, say something like this. Jesus, I want a relationship with you. And I want to follow you. I want to ask that you'd forgive me for all of my sin. And that you would make me the person you want me to be. God, I'm all in. I want to follow you with my whole life. I want your results. I want your peace. I want your forgiveness. I want your power. I want your strength. I want your mercy. I am all in in. Jesus, come into my life and help me to follow you. If you pray that prayer and you invite Jesus in, it starts a whole new relationship with God where he begins to change your life. There's this process called sanctification. It just means we get better over time as we follow Jesus. It also means that we're broken, so we're not perfect, and we're going to mess up sometimes. If you walk out of here today, and you prayed that prayer, and you get in traffic, you cuss somebody out, it doesn't mean it didn't work. It means you're in process. Everybody's in process. If you're like, I'm not going to do that anymore, I'm not going to drink anymore, I'm not going to hook up anymore, I'm not going to just go random people anymore. And then you prayed this prayer, and you thought it was going to fix everything, and you go out and you do something you didn't want to do, it doesn't mean it didn't work. It means you're human, and you're in process, and he's going to change you over time. So don't quit and give up just because you failed. That's the whole point. You're a failure. And God loves failures because he can pass on his perfection to you. And he trades your sin for his perfection. That's the kingdom of God. God, bring your kingdom here. Bring your kingdom down and help us to follow the one who breathes life into this place. It's not my life, God. It's your life. I gave it to you a long time ago because you're the one who gave me life and breath and air and time. You gave us this space to live in. Jesus, help us to trust you that you are the authority of all things and you're a good God who comes with love and faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
And that is it. Thanks for listening today. We hope you're leaving encouraged and motivated to consider, begin, or grow your faith in Jesus. If you find yourself in Santa Rosa, we gather every Sunday, 9 at 11 a.m. You can always connect in a group at our website, newvintage.org groups. And the best way to follow our messages is to click messages on our website, which will take you directly to our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe. If this ministry has been a blessing to your life and you'd like to give a gift to help us before the city of Santa Rosa, you can do that at newvintage.org give. And don't forget, you are loved. Peace out, homies.